Hey guys, thanks for joining me for another episode of Real Live Talk. My name is Duke Lamastra and I'm your host. And for this episode, I sat down with Greg Hurlbut. Greg is the lead pastor at New Testament Church in Messina, New York. He and his wife, Jessica, together are also doing tremendous work as advocates for adoption and foster care. And they also host the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast, which is a faith-based podcast dedicated to helping parents of special needs children. Thanks so much again for being here. Be sure and check out some of the resources that Greg mentions in this podcast. And if this episode blesses you, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, I'd really appreciate it. And now I hope you enjoy this conversation with Pastor Greg Hurlbut. I'm here with Greg Hurlbut, uh, Pastor Greg Hurlbut. What's going on, man? Good to have you with me today. Hey, glad to be with you, Duke. Appreciate you taking the time and having a great conversation tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I uh, And I also, for real, appreciate the reschedule here you were supposed to be on the show i guess a couple of weeks ago i was having some crazy so much anger <laughs> anger around our internet issues um because uh we had upgraded and we and and you know it's, uh, it's supposed to be pretty pretty fantastic pretty solid internet for all the different live streaming events that we do and stuff but anyway i digress it was uh it was crazy because it lasted about two weeks of just like, right. problems and, and well, bad stuff and rescheduling things but i do appreciate your flexibility and thanks for being with me today man of course so you know i i when you texted me i i think i said back to you whenever i have a cancellation it's always almost like yeah. a little bit of freedom because <laughs> almost my entire day is always scheduled full with like five minute ten minute breaks in there and so oh i got a free hour now <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome man yeah it's kind of like blessing in disguise yeah uh that's that mike bickle lifestyle i don't know if you he he would teach on that on basically like dividing up your day into five minute segments i was like <laughs> that's just that's too much man <laughs> that dude gets yeah. a lot done but anyway but yeah well thank you man thanks for being here i forgot to ask um if you prefer greg or gregory Greg, my mom calls me Gregory, but you know, Greg's mostly what everybody else calls me. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh awesome. Well, thank you, man. I I uh I had an awesome conversation with your wife Jessica uh, a couple months back here on the podcast and your name kept coming up. She you know, she kept bringing you up on the podcast and I was like, "Man, Greg sounds like an awesome guy." Like I think I even said at one point that you were like the MVP of that podcast or something <laughs> along those lines. And I was like, "I got to meet Greg. I got to talk to Greg." So, I really do appreciate you, man, and uh Thanks for being here. We've got we've got a lot uh, to talk about. Uh, there's a lot going on. I, I want to talk to you in just a minute about the uh, adoption run that you guys just got done doing, yep. and we'll we'll get into some stuff. But I would love if you could just share with us briefly just about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So um, yeah, for those of you listening, and and maybe some of my friends will jump on here or, or watch this later. But yeah, my name is Greg Hurlba. I'm from upstate New York, uh, Messina, New York. And when I say upstate, I mean all the way upstate on the Canadian border. Uh, we're closer to Canada than we are anywhere else. Montreal is only about an hour and 15 minutes from me. And uh, we have a bridge right here in Messina that crosses over. So we're kind of half Canadian. Um, but well, <laughs> not in the last two years because they haven't been overly friendly to us crossing. Hopefully we'll okay. be friends again as countries sooner than later. Um, is that COVID related or is that? Yeah, uh... all COVID related. You know, right now they are letting us cross, but you have to get a test and you have to do that within two days ahead and you have to pay for it. It's just a pain. So no one's doing it yet gotcha. um, at the end of yeah. the day. But yeah, so, and I've lived here actually most of my life, except for when I went to college, uh, I went to Fredonia State, downstate, and then I went to Southeastern University in Florida, uh, Assemblies of God College. 
But uh, yeah, I've been living here most of my life, and actually I am the pastor of the church that I grew up in since I was born. My parents were going here previous to my my birth, and uh, now I'm pastoring that church. Pause. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> uh, and make sure, I want to make sure that we get back to, to your yeah. story, because uh, I do want to know about it, but uh, I, I don't want to forget. Later on, I'll, I'll forget to come back to this. So what is that like? And that might be a loaded question, but yeah. what was that like transitioning from the church that you grew up in to yep. now you're the the lead pastor, the senior pastor <laughs> of that place? What I'm just so curious, man. Well, first of all, how old were you when you moved into a pastoral role there? Okay, so my wife and I got hired here um, doing the youth pastor work. Really, it was her actually first. I always make a joke that she was a star and I was just the sidekick. Um, so it's funny. On, we'll man. talk. We'll mostly talk about each other in our separate, you know, interviews here. But and she was, <laughs> she was the star. Uh, we came back from college and they hired her full time, and I just kind of was. We did youth ministry together though, and that was 2005. So I was. Uh, okay. Uh, 21 at the time. And then we did youth ministry together um, up until 2016. Well, maybe a few years before that because of our, our children's situation, which I'm sure Jessica talked a little bit about um, possibly on her interview. But, but up oh, yeah. until 2016, we did youth ministry, and then I transitioned into the pastoral or lead pastoral role. So yeah, it, it was... It was an interesting thing. I'm trying to figure out how to like say it in a concise way that's not crazy. But, uh, you know, in some ways, you know, a lot of things changed in the last five years with me as a leader and what our church is like. And it was all good change. It was needed change. Um, but in sometimes when a church needs to change, because we've been around 40 years, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary in June. When a church mm. has been around this long, sometimes it's easy to just get into a routine um, especially sure. when you've been successful. And we've been really successful as a church um, in a little area where there's not a lot of people, but we have a, a quite a large church for that. And so mm. it's easy to kind of sit there and just say, well, look what we did. We did good. We can coast. We can just, you know, kind of keep doing what we've always done. Um, but I really felt like Jesus challenged me when I stepped into the, that role to say, just because you've been successful, don't don't stop there. Believe that there's more for the kingdom. There's more for what Come he's on. doing. And so, so yeah, I, it was a, it was honestly like a, a, some of it was a difficult transition simply because we were changing things we've done for 35 years. And, um, but it was, but for me and you, kind of your question was, what's it like transitioning in a church you've always been in? It was almost perfect in some ways because when I pointed fingers, which I, which I did, not in a literal sense, but like when I said, hey, we need to change, I meant we, meaning me. I've been here my whole life, and That's I cool. wasn't asking something of a group of people that, you know, in a sense, I didn't live the way they did, or we didn't do church the way they did, and now we're changing a little bit of our philosophy, a little bit of our direction, or just even a little bit of how we did things um, to really see the vision that we believe God's always had over this church happen. So it was really good in those ways. I, I wondered for a while what it would be like for, especially the older crowd we have, you know, 50% of our church is 50 and older. And, you know, for them, I was, you know, little Greg Hurlbutt that, you know, was, they probably right. babysat me and we had a Christian right. school here for years and some <laughs> of them were my teachers. And, you know, what would that be like for them in a sense to be led, uh, 
by me who who's younger. I'm I'm the youngest person um, in our on our staff actually, except mm-hmm. for our youth pastor now. Uh, we wow. have eleven staff, and I'm the youngest of those, except for one who's our youth pastor. I'm the youngest yeah. person on our eldership team. Um, I, I often have joked saying I always find myself being the young, youngest person in in a room, and I, I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> Maybe I'm just old in my head. I'm not sure, but your wisdom, um, your wisdom beyond your years, Greg. <laughs> I'm not sure. You can ask the groups if that's true. But <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it was uh, it was a transition for sure, but it's been a fantastic one actually, and the church is flourishing in ways uh, that we've always talked and dreamed about, and are now. I believe, beginning to see, you know, the 40 year anniversary is just it's such a significant number in the Bible, right? Um, yeah. You know, the whole promised land thing and, and just kind of 40 years of, of this history. And, but now we're moving into a new season. And so that's kind of where we really feel we are. Um, I don't know if that answered your question about what it's like, but yeah, it's perfectly, perfectly, <laughs> Greg. <laughs> I know that it's not normal start. actually in the church world. It's just not normal. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, yeah. they're applying for a job somewhere. Um, they're moving from place to place, maybe even in different denominations. They're kind of uh, working their way up a ladder of sorts. Um, sure. Our culture here has really never been that way. Uh, and I actually appreciate it. And I'm not saying that the other mm-hmm. way is wrong. I just, it's really been kind of always homegrown grassroots here, um, which I think matters, especially in rural contexts, yeah. which is a big heart of mine, rural church planting, rural context of the U.S. Um, you know, we have a lot of church planting things, and this is kind of one of my big, my big things. There's a lot of church planting techniques uh, patterns in the U.S. that are being very successful, but they're mostly successful in contexts that surround uh, really urban areas. They don't—they're not actually in urban areas, but suburban areas, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, these hundred to five hundred thousand, you know, person areas, and churches are going mm-hmm. there and they're developing and they're really hitting it out of the park and all that kind of thing. But the truth is, only fifty percent of America lives in suburban and urban areas. The other fifty percent live in rural areas. True. So my heart is, who's reaching the fifty percent living in rural areas? I know it's not as glamorous to go to a place where there's only ten thousand people, but uh, those ten thousand people matter to Jesus. So anyway, absolutely, man. I love that so much. I I, I love that. Uh, I love that you've got that sort of niche where you know God's placed you and that there's that kind of passion there to do that. Uh, and I think it's super important and, and I love it. I was, as you were talking there, I was, I was thinking about it. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you were talking about the sort of homegrown grassroots kind of yeah. a feel. Um, I, I imagine that you guys have a very sort of tight knit, tight knit sort of sense of community, uh, you know, within your church, within your congregation yeah. and, and all of that. And, uh, and I, I love that. I think that's so cool. I was actually the reason why, one of the reasons why I was kind of very uh, fascinated and why I wanted to ask you that question is because I think that so often it's tricky for people to sort of shift their their concept of who somebody is, right. you know, and so people that sort of spent, you know, maybe had all these years in the church and they saw you, like you said, as little Greg Hurlbut and they watched yeah. you growing up and they probably saw you, you know, I don't know what kind of a kid you were, but they probably saw you making mistakes and, you know, what, you know what I mean? Causing trouble yeah. here and there. And so, oh, yeah. so, uh, you know, then sort of making that shift in your mind of, oh, well now this person is in a place of leadership. I'm supposed to, you know, 
relate to them in a different way. It's it's it could definitely be tricky. I mean, even Jesus said, you know, uh, that, um, you know, prophets not without honor, except in right. his own in his own hometown, you know, where he's from. And uh, that can definitely be the case just because there's familiarity there. But I think that 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 begins to shift naturally as you step into that role and as people begin to see the anointing that's on your life and people begin to see, I mean, it sounds trite to say it this way, but they sort of see your competency and your ability to lead, you know, and to do that well. And uh, so I just think one of the greatest compliments I get, it's like, even in just, you know, you you know, I, I don't care who you are as a pastor or a leader or, you know, a speaker at the end of the day, you are looking and I'm not saying that this is like my motivation, but you are trying to understand, am I making an impact? And so when people say things, it's appreciated, right? You know, I'm not trying to take the honor on myself for what God's doing. But at the end of the day, when I speak or when I'm leading, if no one's ever says anything to you about how you're leading, I would honestly just say, you might want to question how you're leading because there should be a place where people are saying, thank you for that. Or even the opposite of like, Hey, this isn't working for me, you know? Um, But one of the greatest compliments I get is, is especially from um, our crowd. That's a little bit older that I've known my whole life that just, you know, they, they really, they, they take a moment to say something that's so honoring to me and, and really, you know, and, and they call me pastor, you know, they'll say, Oh, Hey, pastor Greg, they walk in and, and truthfully, we've never had a big title culture here at all. I, you know, yeah. I'm, you know, you can say all sorts of things you want about that. And we don't really, we don't push that or anything like, mm-hmm. you know, for me, pastoring is a function, not a title. And Come so on. some, but when someone takes the effort to actually call me that, it's really an honoring thing, which I think there a lot of them are purposely saying, this is how we see you now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it really does matter, you know, in, in a lot of those ways. So, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I've, I've always thought about that whole like title thing and I don't know, like I've never been a big fan of titles either. I, I think that, but one thing that I've always sort of uh, I guess had in my mind is I, I think the title thing is more so for them than it is for for you. You know, what I mean, more so for them than it is for I us, agree. because I, I think that there's an aspect of of ministry where like we as a person, as a human, like I want to be as relational, as relatable, you know, as possible. But I think that there's a point where, you know, maybe there's a line that we can cross where then it can become a little bit too familiar where not everybody, because some people would not have a problem making that distinction. But I think that a lot of people do have the, the a, a challenge making the distinction between, oh, well, this is my friend and this is my pastor and this sure. is my brother and this is my sister and this is my, you know what I mean? And, yep. and sort of like when those lines become blurry, it can become tricky for the person um, for the average person, I'd say to to really learn and receive, you know, from from a, a person who's in a position of leadership when that sort of distinction doesn't exist, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I've, I've been the same way. I'm kind of like uh, like because and, and, and I do I do I do have that, like you're saying, like when my um, you know, when people in our church refer to me as Pastor Duke. Um, there is something there. I really do appreciate it. I really do appreciate the honor, but I don't care at all if someone right. just calls me Duke. Um, but, <laughs> but I feel like there's a, there's a balance there. There's a tension in my mind because I would just be like, just call me Duke. Like, like, forget right. it. Just forget about that. But, 
at the same time, I think for them, it's beneficial to, you know, recognize yeah. that there is that place of authority and there is that position because in the long run, I think um, even just on a subconscious level, it helps them to right. uh, maybe be in a position where they're better able to receive from you. Yeah, I think I spent a couple of years like really telling people, don't call me that. Like, that's just weird. Like, <laughs> And honestly, part of it was just because my a lot of my life, I didn't believe I I belonged in ministry. You know, I, I really I just didn't think it was for me. I did it with Jessica. It was Jessica's thing. Um, and I kind of that's why I jokingly would have said I was her sidekick. Um, <laughs> it really it was her dream. It was always her dream to be in ministry. And then somehow I found myself here and. And even there's almost daily or weekly, I'm going, how did I end up in this? This is just strange. You know, like this was not my plan. But um, so sometimes I kind of put that off quite a bit. People would say, I'm like, oh, no, don't call me pastor. Like, oh, that's just weird. But then, I, you know, kind of realize, all right, well, I don't I also don't want to reject the role that Jesus has has designed for me. You know, it's his, yeah. him. So, yeah, that's really good. All right, man. Well, I interrupted you before. Um, I'd yeah. love to just jump back into that and hear the rest of, so yeah, of your story. So, um, yeah, so you became so, a pastor. You're pastoring the church that you grow up in. and Pastoring the church I am grew up in. I'm 37 years old. My wife and I have been married since I was 20, so 17 years now, uh, wow. just this awesome. August. We have five kids. Um, two of them are adopted. Uh, we've had them since birth adopted. Two of our biological kids are autistic and uh, then my son who's 13 is just a wonderful typical actually he's not really typical he's just an extraordinary 13 year old um he really is a great kid and he helps us survive in our life with our wow. other kids so <laughs> shout out to jeremiah um yeah. but yeah so that's kind of our life and in the midst of that believing that uh, we're here for purpose and so everything we do our decisions are made out of that jessica and i that's kind of always been our drive together uh it's just like what, what can we do to really influence the world around us and uh, ultimately always for jesus you know mm. it's not always you know, maybe wearing the the pastoral cap, like you had just brought up, we did a an adoption run, a national adoption day was this last weekend. Maybe we can talk about that for a minute, but- um, Love to. Yeah, so national adoption day was this last weekend. And four years ago, my wife, who is an incredible runner, uh, and I'll just give you a little history with her for running. It started when we started having kids and she started going, oh, I think I'm gonna go for a run. And then that run would turn into like 30 minutes and then an hour and then three hours. And it just kept getting longer and longer. It was kind of her space for herself. And she realized she loved running long distances. So uh, she ran her first marathon actually uh, on our, oh man, it was 10 years ago now. On our seventh anniversary, we went to Hawaii. Uh, it was a great marathon to pick. She ran the Maui Marathon along wow. the coast in, in Maui, which was gorgeous. Um, I guess if you got to run a marathon, yeah. it might as well be in Maui, right? <laughs> so I'll tell you what, it was brutally hot. So Okay. Um, but anyway, it was, it, I mean, I didn't run. Listen, I just, I don't run. People are like, oh, you run too with Jess? I'm like, no, I stand at the end and eat that... donuts and like cheer on. Yay, sidekick, you know. sidekick, sidekick. That, that part, that oh. part didn't rub off on you, I guess. <laughs> no. So um, probably about her third marathon, she decided, or actually she came running in. We were just here in New York and Corning and uh, she came running at the end, 26.2 miles. Uh, she did about three hours and 50 minutes. And she comes running in and she's all tired and hot. And she just goes, I think I could run further. 
And I was like, what? Like right now? I was confused. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense, Jessica. Who says I think I can run further? Okay. And she's like, no, I, I think I just want to run r- longer runs. I'm like, you're there. Okay. You're weird, but whatever. So she did her first ultra. Fantastic. Um, a, about five, six years ago, a 50 miler. And, um, and then from there, she decided uh, she was going to keep upping it. And she did. Well, she got an idea because we love and really advocate for adoption in the U S and foster care services. And just really think it's the heart of God for the world that he, he adopted us, right? Romans teaches us. And so um, we just feel like it's a big thing. So she, she found out 110,000 kids in 2018 were freed to be adopted in the United States. They're just waiting for a family. And that was in uh, 2018. Yeah. And so she said, you know what? I'm going to run 110 miles. I'm like, you're insane, but I love you. So uh, she started training to run a 110-mile run consecutively over 24 hours without stopping um, by herself. And uh, so we had it all planned. And and honestly, she got crazy media coverage up here. And it was awesome. And uh, the morning we woke up, so we were going to do it on adoption day, which is always this like second, third week in November. We wake up because we live in Northern New York and it's actually very strange. We don't have snow yet. Um, but we looked outside and it was the first major snowstorm of the year. I remember looking out, you know, our upstairs bedroom window and I'm like, yep, there's about 10 inches of snow out there. Okay. So mm. Jessica's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, you're going to run. It's adoption. Day. Yeah. What are we going to do? You can't postpone it. So she, uh, so she ran in the snowstorm and, uh, she ran about the first 45 miles, which just is insane. Right. With cleats on her shoes. I don't know if, I don't even know where you're living right now, Duke, but here when it's really snowy and icy, people put these, these stretchy cleats that go over mm-hmm. their, over your shoe sole. And, uh, it just gives you good traction. Right. Okay. So she, it was such a mess how she put those on and ran in those, but she had never trained running in cleats, right? And it, it kind yeah. of messed with her ankle. So around mile 45, she started to struggle, which is just amazing anyway. Um, but she wouldn't stop because amazing. I couldn't get her to. So she made it all the way to mile 70 before I literally just was dragging Kidnapped her. <laughs> I was trying to drag her into the vehicle. She was, she was moving but not fast. And she just was determined. I'm going to do this. I said, babe, listen, it's okay. You can't finish it. Well, in that process, in in the first, the last hour it took me to convince her to, to get done. Hmm. Um, I, I called a bunch of friends that I knew were runners. I said, listen, she's going to die if she has to stop and doesn't finish this thing, but let's, let's get some people. Let's finish it for her. And so I had, I got about 15 different runners that finished the last uh, whatever that is, the uh, last 40 uh, miles of the run, yeah. 70 of it. And um, and so it was actually really just an amazing setup moment because the whole point was we can't save the world. And there's 110,000 kids. I can't adopt all those kids. I adopted two. That's what I can do. But together, we yeah. might actually be able to make a dent in this. You know, Jessica always puts this to this uh, statistic out that if just one in three churches in the U S adopted one child, one in three churches, because we have 300,000 churches, every adoptable child would be gone like that. Wow. They'd be be in a family. Just if one church decided 
to say we'll adopt one kid and only three oh my ch- one in the three churches did that and and for us you know i think this is a challenge what are we doing as christians should we not be uh making an impact in these realms and so it was kind of this great moment where we realized you know what we can't do this on our own but together we can and so every year since then we've done it as a relay 24 hours still uh but of course the the numbers have gone up so we're yeah at it goes up right five miles yeah yeah, um, there's 125,000 kids right now, free to be adopted in the United States, and so we ran 125 miles on Friday and Saturday from 3 p.m. to 3 p.m. One hour legs is what people sign up for, and those are between five and six miles each, and uh, and you it's you know so it's not a fast fast pace, but you still have to be able to run. You know, some people are like can sure. we walk? Yeah, I'm like, no, nah, you won't be able to keep up. Sorry, and because we are kind of stick to this timetable, and again, people are like. You know, some people show up and they want to run it super fast. And I actually am like, nope, that's not the point. We're looking, we call it a run. We don't call it a race because I'm, you know, the idea is to do it together. And right. so, you know, not just, we don't want someone running like 10 miles ahead of the, the other group or something. So, yeah. So we had about a hundred runners uh, this, uh, this Saturday and they did it all through the night. Myself and a great friend of mine uh, stay up in the car and we track behind them kind of as the pacer vehicle with our flashers on and uh, usually through a bunch of the townships in our county. Uh, the police come out and follow for us for a while and we always have people waiting on the sides of the road and just cheering on the runners and awesome. yeah it's it's really a great thing and it's all about awareness people usually ask how can i donate money and we always just say oh, we, we don't want we're not interested in money we're mm. just interested in people considering adopting people considering wow. the reality um, of maybe being a foster parent a respite parent mm-hmm. um, doing something to impact kids lives in the u.s wow. around us and so that's kind of the, what we've been doing for the last five years it's been awesome. <laughs> That's an incredible thing, Greg, for real. And I, you know, you, you keep throwing away, throwing around jokingly the, this, uh, this sidekick word. But I, I told Jessica when she was on the show that I, I really, I, I consider you and her just modern day superheroes. Um, <laughs> because this is the stuff that really matters, man. Uh, this yeah. is, uh, this is so big. And you've already got so much on your plates with, your with your own family your own children um you know five kids of your own and two with special needs and um you know as pastors and like it's just all the stuff that you guys do and then you also have this piece of your heart that is just so um just passionate about these these children that they could be adopted like today right all of these children 125 and obviously there's uh, there's way more than that, right? In the foster care system, there's way more children way that, more that, that need to be adopted. Almost, but I think it's almost four times that in the foster care yeah. system. But yeah, 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 um, yeah. I was gonna say I, I I was thinking it was somewhere around half a million or so yeah. um, in the system. But but yeah, it's 125,000 children that are ready to be placed in a home. What what does that mean um, exactly, Greg, when you say that there's 125,000 kids in the foster care system that are ready to be adopted? What does that actually mean? So basically what it means is that whatever situation they came from, um, parental situation or home situation, the government is no longer trying to, to place them back into their homes. And what it means is that the government has now taken action and either... Uh, terminated the rights of the parents or guardians 
or they have been surrendered the rights of those parents or guardians. Mm. And now they're just wards of the system and they're completely adoptable. Meaning someone could literally show up today and say, I want to adopt this child. And it could, it wouldn't, you know, the court's slow. So it would take a couple months, mm-hmm. but immediately that child could be placed with a family who's going to adopt them. And then the court system <laughs> would take a couple months to do the paperwork legally. But um, it means that there's no other family attachments. And in fact, the government will not place them back. So every child that comes in foster care has a title called return to parent. It's always the government's first goal. Return them to parent. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, which is, it's got to be the right thing, right? Like you can't just have government deciding, oh, we're going to take your kids and not give them back easily. (laughs) Um, So the government then goes through a process and it's, it's a, kind of it's cruddy i mean i'll just be honest we're super yeah. advocates for the foster care system but it's broken it's really broken. badly yeah. <laughs> um you know i always say anytime you send the government to do the church's job they're going to do a bad job at it and wow. this is the church's job we should be taking care of this is james right true religion is taking care of widows, widows and, and orphans in their distress yeah, and Instead, we've sent the government to do it, and then we wonder why they do a bad job. It's, it's just not what they were built for. The government was not built for this. Um, I do appreciate the people in it. My gosh, they all know we love. I, I, I say these things to their faces. So, yeah. um, you know, our, our local DSS and our local foster future system here. But, um, yeah, so it means they're just ready. So you can actually go on uh, adoptuskids.org right now. Mm-hmm. And there is a massive listing of kids. You'll see pictures. You'll hear stories. And honestly, I always warn people, don't go on there if you don't want your heart ripped out. Because at the end yeah. of the day, you're going to realize how many kids are just out there. And, and they're, then they make them. They take little videos. Please adopt me. And, you know, it's like it's heart-wrenching, honestly. Of course. Um, I try not to let my wife go on there still because she's like, we could fit two more. We could do what? (laughs) (laughs) I love them, but they can live at someone else's house. Get away from the computer, Jessica. (laughs) Yeah. So, but it is. uh, So that means what it means. They're free to be adopted. So they've just already been through so much um, unfortunate, probably system stuff. And And that means usually years. They've been in the system for years. They've probably even been home multiple times and then retaken back. Yeah. Um, oh. And the government now says, uh, you're never going to change. This situation is never going to change. It's too dysfunctional. We'll not send kids back there. And wow. so, yeah. And now, like, I think the statistic is that 90 kids every single day age out of that. So a lot of the reasons these kids don't get adopted is they're older. Um, and most people that are really thinking about adoption, they're, they're, they have this idea of like, I want to get a baby from the hospital. And, but you've got 18 year old kids, 17, 18 year old kids, the minute they hit 18 years old, they age out. And literally that means like, good luck. Uh, there's very little yeah. after services after foster care for these, these kids. And so yeah. they end up going into the world with no family, um, that that's healthy at least. And, uh, and the statistics for what happens to them afterwards is pretty rough to, to yeah. know, to, you know, a lot end up in, yeah. um, you know, prison, jail. Uh, I mean, the, actually, a yeah. lot of the prostitution that happens in major cities, if you actually talk to these women, most of them were foster care, got out of the system, and this is where they ended up on the streets, you know, being, being 
you know, sold not by their own choices, but you know, all that, all the crap that's around that. Yeah. We have friends that are really big into kind of that whole stuff um, in Dallas and Houston. So we hear terrible wow. stories. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So the 125,000 kids right now in the U S just waiting, hoping maybe someone will adopt me. Wow. Yep. <laughs> it's wow. And it, it, it's so, I, I, I would think that, the majority of people that do um, adopt, you know, that do adopt children, the majority of people would, well, would you say this is true? It's just what I've heard, I guess, but that the majority of people that are trying to adopt children, they're, they want babies, right? Like yeah. they're looking for, for, you know, as, as young as they can be, cause they, they want, they want to, to raise them of course. And, and I've for under, you know, understandable and, and for obvious reasons, totally understandable. Yeah. Um, but there's so many kids in the foster care system, like you said, that are aging out. I mean, just imagine that if, if you could adopt a child who's already a teenager, but just like the difference that you could make in that child's life in you know two years three years four years you know whatever whatever it is before they sort of reach that age of adulthood um it's it could be pretty phenomenal i know that those tend to be probably some of the more difficult yeah (laughs) ones right where it's uh it's hard to impact a, a teenager who's already you know set in their ways or had a rough life or, you know, whatever the case may be, I can imagine that there's got to be so many, not even, you know, I have zero experience. My, my oldest son is 11. So I'm not quite there yet. Um, as far as even dealing with teenagers in that, on that level, but, but I can just imagine that it's, um, just an unreal struggle. And that's why I, that's why I, I really do believe that, that people that advocate, for this kind of stuff and uh you know more importantly those who who actually get in there and are willing to adopt or become a foster parent or something like that 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 are real heroes in my book and uh and i really really just appreciate you guys so much for the work that you're doing and the awareness that you're bringing around this i I imagine that because you're not taking in donations and things like that it's more of a, a sense of doing these events every year uh that are that are geared toward building awareness i imagine that that's probably not super trackable but are you aware of um you know on any level like what kind of an impact that that you guys have that that it's been having on people yeah you know and again like you said it's not overly trackable um though jessica does have some numbers for that i i probably don't know them off the top of my head but i know that every single year we have um probably at least a dozen or more stories from the run specifically where people say, I just signed up for the foster care classes. Um, we had people, I actually had two runners this year that have ran with us the last three years. And during the run, they showed me the certificate. They had just completed their foster care classes um, this year. So they ran just with us to support us. And then after three years of kind of feeling like, why are we not doing this? Um, wow. even one of the conversations I had with the runners and most of these runners, I don't know them. They're just, they're runners, right? They love running events and it's a good cause. And so they show up mm-hmm. one of the runners that's run with us the last four years, um, in Augensburg region, which is like 45 minutes from Messina drive wise. Um, she's, she's a little bit older lady. She's retired. And she said, I don't know if I could adopt, but I could, I could at least take these kids in. I have a five bedroom house and, oh, and she God. goes, I was a nurse and she goes, I'm going to go sign up. So we hear those things a lot, you know, and 
people message, especially Jessica's influence now just in social media and, and kind of the wide range that she's um, made with that. We hear stories weekly of people that are impacted by our adoption, foster care kind of advocation, you know, along with the special needs stuff. But a lot of it is around that people signing up and, and, and we also get the tough stories, man, I tried this and this is what happened. I'm like, listen, I got Mm. all the same stories, you know, because at the end of the day, you're going to be taking in, um, you know, people who have some brokenness, you know? Sure. And what I always say to Christians you know, and because and honestly, most of our, you know, I, I'm advocating for anybody to adopt. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, I believe it's the church's job. And so I'm advocating to Christians and, and even uh, I've had Christians that say, you know, I, I, you know I, we're just I just don't know if that child's needs fit our family. And, and, and I hear all that. And I, I absolutely would never pressure someone to do something that they don't feel they're supposed yeah. to do. But I always say man, I'm glad Jesus doesn't look at me that way. Come on. Because <laughs> I am a problem child for Jesus. I yeah. reject him. I don't do what he asks me to do. I kind of do the same dumb things over and over and over and wonder why I get the same results. And and then we have kids in our lives that do those, and we're like, well, that's just too much work. I'm like, man, we better be – we're real lucky Jesus doesn't treat us. And and, and even doesn't right. pick and choose, right? Like – um. You know, it is a weird world because, like, you go on US or adoptuskids.org and you can pick and choose. And it's like, right. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. But at the end of the day, I'm glad Jesus isn't going, well, you have too many special needs, so I'm not going to adopt you. Come on. <laughs> you know, but he just, he takes us freely. And so, you know, again, I would just say to anybody, entertain it, pray about it, think about it. Maybe Jesus is calling you to, to care for one kid. Maybe it's a kid in foster care you're going to get for six months and you're going to make an impact in their life that you don't, you don't, you don't have an idea of the ripple effect of what it might mean Mm. for them, even if you don't adopt them. Um, And so I would just challenge people. Think about it. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love what you guys are doing. It's so cool. I, so it was just um, this past uh, what Saturday. Yep. Saturday. So Friday, yeah. Friday at 3 PM to Saturday at 3 PM. Did, um, so now, now that now it's different that there's, it will start it off. Like you said, um, uh, years ago when it first started and it was just Jessica, but then by the end of it, you were calling people and getting people yep. in and stuff like that. It really seems like that, that kind of worked, you know, in, in, yeah. in your favor, uh, <laughs> or in, in the favor of this becoming, um, an ongoing thing, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. I've seen those, I've seen some of those pictures of Jessica, like <laughs> just in the snow, running and it's it's really incredible and if you look at you know without knowing the story you would look at that and you just be like okay that person's out for like a jog in the snow but it's like no she's like i don't know what mile that was on on the pictures that i saw but you know like oh no that's like mile 32 <laughs> or a couple or of whatever, the, couple whatever of the famous was. ones like the one that made it in the paper she was in mile 20 something but then the one there's this footprint one we use a lot where i took a picture of her mm. footprints in the snow yeah. We're in the middle of nowhere too, literally just running in the backwoods mm. to get from one highway to the next. And, and, uh, that was around mile 40, you know, and she's just trucking along and yeah, I always share this one <laughs> embarrassing picture of her. We, we stopped at a gas station we had a couple fitness trainers really helping us. 
and uh, we were basically it was it was pretty gross. We were peeling her socks off her feet, and she, you know she had she had kind of already damaged her feet in way. I mean, I don't mm. know if you guys are listening know anything about ultra runners, but it's super common for them to lose their toenails. Uh, for their skin to basically just come off. And for some reason, yeah. these people just keep running. I don't get it, but they're pretty incredible humans. So, you know, her feet were pretty messed up by that point. And so we knew we knew yeah. it would be that way. So we had new shoes, new socks. We were going to dress her feet. You kind of dress your feet in a certain way. And so this fitness trainer had met us. And so she's like there, and I'm like, it's this picture of her foot up, you know, and I'm holding her foot up and I'm peeling her sock off and she's making this like horrible face. And so I always oh, laugh. I, I post it every year. Remember this? Remember, <laughs> Remember mile this? I think it was mile 55 or something. And she's like, stop sharing that photo. <laughs> That's so crazy. But yeah. So, so with the, with the new, you know, the way that it's done now with all these different people running and running different legs um, throughout the, the 125 mile stretch does does jessica still get out there and run longer oh, yeah. distances like how, how did that work this year yeah so what she's doing uh, mostly is running uh, a few different legs not not tons sometimes she's done like 10 mile distances depending on uh, the people who are running and sometimes our needs because you know by the time you get to 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning you don't have as many people like yeah mm -hmm. we're gonna show up though we did have a ton this year at those those legs um, so she usually runs, uh, three different specific legs that are kind of in some, like, what we would say, uh, some important spaces. So we run from Messina to, um, we have a reservation right near us called the Aquasasne Mohawk reservation. And it's, it's, you know, there's about 16,000 people there and, and we're pretty close with their foster care, um, and prevention, you know, family services that they have. And they've always been incredibly supportive there the mohawk mm. tribal police come out and escort us they set up this big tent and all these people come out and it's it's honestly a big deal there so we always have her run that leg because that you know they're like you know she's their hero so we make sure she ends up in these spots where That's you know cool. a lot of people are and then this year um i got to a spot where i only had oh, i had three runners the night before someone got exposed to covid the okay. morning of that part of the run, so it's like six in the morning, and I get a text, and that that leg was at ten a.m. and the and the second or the next two runners both say uh, we injured ourselves and we can't run, and and we're you know like they were all assuming they had extra people, which they did, but I, three cancellations on one leg was pretty uncommon, yeah. and uh, and it was kind of one of my lower <laughs> amounts of people on the leg, so I was like shoot, and so I thought, well, actually no, I'm sorry, the third person I thought was going to run it. So I thought, well, we have one person. It's whatever. That one will just have a single runner. It's not a big deal. But I get there and we happen to get there early and to the spot. Cause you know, we kind of are pretty regulated on our times, but sometimes the runners get a little soon. So we're about 20 yeah, minutes yeah. early to the spot, uh, which, you know, is no big deal. Well, the runner usually takes a small break and then they'll pass the baton. And, and I was like, you know, they're not here. Hmm. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to text them. So I just text them. I said, just say, making sure, you know, you know where the right spot is. This was a runner I hadn't, you know, met before. And uh, she goes, oh, I'm not running in person because we have a whole virtual legs stuff set up. So people can basically run virtually anywhere they want. And we have okay. people actually from all over. We have running clubs that run from all over the world. And then they send in videos wow. and stuff. Yeah. That's and really so cool. So she had signed up virtually. But I knew she was a local person, so when I saw her name, I didn't think it was virtual. I had written it in wrong, and so I'm like, oh, okay. shoot. 
Now, one year this happened to me before, and I had to run the, the leg because I was like, and I'm I'm like a bull, man. I am not made for running. And so me and my buddy who were in the vehicle, we literally took time. We were like, I ran a mile, he ran a mile, I ran a mile, and we were That's dead. So we were like, no one ever will get documentation awesome. of this ever, <laughs> I think I was running in jeans and a sweater, you know, like, yeah, that's not recommended, <laughs> but just so I called Jessica and she like raced out there to, uh, you know, to, to run that extra leg. So she ran an extra leg this year just because I that's awesome. made a mistake, but <laughs> so that's yeah, so she cool. still loves running. She's not running, um, you know, 50 milers on any normal basis, but yeah, she loves to run. So cool. Love it. Love what you guys are doing there and uh, and just really, really appreciate it. I, I want to um, I want to shift gears just a little bit because I wanted yeah. to ask you about uh, about your podcast, the new podcast that you and Jessica are doing together, the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast. Um, to get into that, we probably need to you, you shared a little bit already about um, uh, having two children of your own that have autism. And so, uh, of course, that's a that's a big part of your life. And, and of course, that's a big, that's a big part of, of this yep. podcast, you guys kind of sharing your stories and stuff like that. So um, if you would, though, just share a little bit of your heart uh, behind this podcast yeah. and the impact that you guys are looking to have through it. Yeah. So we have two children that um, have special needs. Um, that's kind of the general term, but it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's severe autism. It's not, um, it's kind of on the, the more difficult end of the autism spectrum. So my daughter was diagnosed when she was three, my son about the same time. My daughter is now 12 years old. Uh, Mara is her name and Jacob is eight years old. And um, Mara didn't talk till she was six, seven years old. Um, you know, very difficult. She kind of has a very aggressive, loud, um, uh, somewhat angry personality. And so she's a handful in those ways, you know, whereas my, my son is actually the exact opposite of that. I'm messing up my hair on the camera because it's going the opposite way. Um, <laughs> it, he's kind of like really reclusive. You can almost get him to say nothing. He can talk, but he won't talk. Uh, he Neither of them can converse with you. There's no conversation to be had. It's just more like, you know, I, you know, I want, a banana, you know, like it's, it's very little communication. So yeah, that was very difficult. Um, you know, in, in our podcast, obviously you can listen to a lot of the struggles along the way, but I, I think honestly, the biggest struggle, well, well, two big struggles. One was for me spiritually as a pastor. Um, I, I became extremely disillusioned with God. Actually, it was the idea that I was serving this incredible savior and this God that I know and I love and I've had experiences with, but yet he would allow this kind of thing to happen in my life. And it's kind of that age old question that all of us deal with. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we lose people? Why, well, you know, it's the big why of life. Right. And, but it hit us hard in this way with special needs kids. And so, you know, that was a long process, which I don't, I don't want to get into that part of it today. But the second part was just simply feeling really alone in it, not under, not knowing anything ourselves at the beginning and, and trying to find information. And, and my wife is kind of an information junkie. I'm, I'm not necessarily built the same way as her, but uh, she was always searching for everything there was about autism and how to parent and, 
and all this stuff. And there's lots of incredible autism information out there, but there was almost zero autism and faith information because for us, Mm, we couldn't separate the two. Yeah. I I live in a world where I believe God loves me. He's uh, a part of my life. He's not distant. He's not just out there, spun the world on his fingertips and is now watching from distance. No, he's involved. And so if I believe that, then I needed to figure out how to honestly struggle through, which is okay to admit, to struggle through a place of where is my faith in the midst of this circumstance? And how do I deal with my practical real life of dealing with children on the autism spectrum? And how do I reconcile that with my faith and my spirituality and and what I know and believe about God? How mm -hmm. do I put those two together? Well, there was nothing for that. Nothing. Um, like nothing. I mean, we could not yeah. find anyone to talk to or anything. You know, Jessica went to a couple, wow. uh, you know, autism support groups and just quickly felt like, you know, this is not, this is not what I'm needing. I'm needing hope. I'm not just needing, you know, this like, um, you know, commiseration that kind of happens mm-hmm. sometimes when people live. Yeah. And, and I can say that because I do it at times, you know, it's easy to commiserate when people are struggling in the same struggle, yeah. but that's not where you want to live, right? If you live there all the time, that's not a healthy place. And uh, so that's where the podcast really was born out of. Jessica just really fell. And even what the book she's writing and all the influence things she's writing is around um, not just autism itself, but really what it meant for us as parents, what it meant for my children, my other children, what it means even for my 13-year-old who's growing up in a world that is is difficult, not by any of his choices, but he has to deal with it. And so, you know, yeah. there's all these things you have to process through. And we felt, you know, man, if we didn't have anybody, maybe we can be that for other people. And so that's kind of where the podcast was born. And uh, it's the idea of like, you know, for 20, 25 minutes, you know, we, we both said it's got to be short because at the end of the day, you know, try to get us to sit down and listen to something in the midst of five kids. It's not always easy. And so we wanted right, to make it easy yeah. and we wanted to make it practical, yeah. but we wanted to make it hope filled. And so that's kind of where uh, the full spectrum parent and really that's why we called it full spectrum parent, not just autism, um, even though it is about autism full spectrum because uh you know we have five kids that are all very different uh you know my my typical teenager but like i said he's living in a world that's not as simple as maybe some teenagers and how he deals with that we have two adopted kids and that's a whole gamut in itself of of walking with two children who who are now at an age where they completely understand and realize that their parents their biological parents you know, didn't take care of them for some reason. And they're trying to figure life out in the midst of that. And one of my, my, my son, uh, Isaac, who's adopted, he's, he's about to turn nine this weekend. He's the most introspective human I think I've ever met. (laughs) And so he asks the deepest questions and I'm just like, and some of them are heart wrenching because he's realizing like this, you know, he loves us. It's, you know, sometimes it's painful to hear, but it's like, He's desperate to understand why his mom didn't take care of him, you know? And so we're just walking through all those things. And so anyway, and and even just what that means, of course, with our two autistic kids and, and, uh, and then, so Jessica came up with all of the the stuff around it. I do some, I do the tech stuff behind it, but um, you know, so it's the uh, full spectrum parent, faith-based autism podcast. 
Uh, and what we do is uh, a dose of help, a dose of humor, and a dose of hope. That's kind of our language there. Uh, so it's practical. Uh, we tell really ridiculous stories of our lives. <laughs> so that makes, hopefully makes people feel better about their ridiculous stories. And, uh, and then we talk a little bit about what, where does Jesus fit into this? Where does, where does our faith fit into this? So, yeah. It's good. Well, hey, listen, I am a, I'm a, I'm a listener. I'm a subscriber. Uh, I really, uh, I really love what you guys are doing. I remember when uh, it was the, when I spoke to Jessica. It was before she was on the on the podcast. Yep. I we had a just quick phone conversation, and we she she brought that up that you guys it was something that you guys were thinking about doing at the time, and I was just like, "You got to do it! Like like yeah. do it! Make it make it happen!" I was uh um I I'm and I'm so glad that you guys decided to do it because for all the reasons that you mentioned, right? So first yep. of all. Um, first of all, because of who you guys are, which at the time I didn't really know, I had never spoken to you, you know what I mean? Until yeah. today, right? This is the first time that we've actually talked. Yeah. Just text. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just some back and forth, but I was aware of you guys. I was aware of the fact that you were pastors and, um, and a little bit about just, just very surface level stuff, I guess. But the the fact that when she was telling me that there that this is a world where there's no real content around this like there is no other yeah. podcast that is specifically like there like you said there's all kinds of resources of course for autism and of course for parents with children on the spectrum but yeah. as far as faith-based resources that are actually helping you to have hope as the foundation right. for these conversations and and all of that and, and I was I was just like I was like, please do it. Please do it. I'm always yeah. pushing people, Greg, like to do podcasts because <laughs> yeah. I, I love I just I love podcasting. I love this medium. And anytime, you know, if you yeah. have a good voice, if you have a, a something that you're passionate about and specifically if it's an area where there's a void there, there's a gap there in the resources that are available. Um, I think that what you guys are doing is just so it, it's it's incredible and it's extremely, extremely important. Yeah. And I, I, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so glad that you guys are doing this for real. And I'm, I'm sharing your episodes and stuff like that because I, I really, I really do like just want to, uh, champion what you guys are doing because I, I think it's, it's so, it's so important. And I, and I really, I, I love the, the content itself, the way that you guys approach the conversations and the way that you guys approach each other, I think is really cool. You're very accessible and you're, your conversations they're they're funny you you invite people in in the way that you're so honest with one another about your own struggles and so that's really cool yeah. that you do that that it's not just well okay guys we're going to tell you how it's done and this is how it's like like no like this has been has <laughs> been a lot of blood sweat and tears over the years going through this and we're going to talk to you guys about all the stuff that we've screwed up <laughs> yeah pretty much. and uh, and, and but i mean not that sounded probably a little bit crass. No, but, no, it's exactly but, but what we feel like. But there, but yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, you've you've really, in other words, it's not just that. There's also yeah. there's a ton of wisdom there. I, I remember listening to the. I don't know if it's the most recent episode, might have been two episodes ago. You guys were talking about discipline, I believe, yeah, two episodes ago, yeah. and um, and just uh, some, something that. I, I heard you guys talking about, I'm probably going to, cause I'm just trying to remember, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I remember, um, you saying a couple things about, about discipline, like, um, when it comes to, to disciplining your kids, 
And of course, you guys have an extreme sort of challenge in this area of of discipline because you know you have um, uh, three children that don't have autism and two children that do, and you know, kind of navigating this world of how do we discipline our kids? Do we discipline them the same? Do we discipline them differently? Do we do you know, kind of navigating through that whole thing? And but uh, you guys, you guys talked about being um, being consistent in the way that you discipline, but at the same time, not being so hard nosed yeah. in it that you can't recognize when you've gone too far. Yeah. And uh, and and that's something that like I, I tell people that I've I'm really big on. And so that really spoke to me was, you know, there's like been so many times where like I've had to go and apologize to my kids because I just went too far because yeah. I just acted out of my emotion uh, because they did something that made me mad. And then um, instead of making the discipline, because the other thing you guys said was that the discipline always has to be about them, you know, the making yeah. the discipline it's it's for them it's for their growth it's for their betterment and there's been times where i've just been mad and out of emotion just you know spoke too harshly or something and some did some you know carried out some form of discipline that it just it was it was led by my emotion and it was yeah. not coming from this place of this is for your good and yeah, you can so, easily lose sight of like what the purpose was for the discipline to begin with and the disciplining can't be just out of consequence it had like the whole episodes about discipline should be about shaping and we we talk a little bit about that proverbs verse that i would just say it gets misrepresented the whole uh, if you spare the child or spare the rod child and which is actually just a paraphrase it doesn't actually say it that way in <laughs> right no um but the idea of what that staff meant as a shepherd it was not a staff for beating uh, Come on. Typically, it was a it was a staff for shaping, and it was meant to guide and direct, and and so there's this place where discipline is absolutely important, um, but it's there to shape your child, and when it moves beyond that, you as a parent have to recognize the child's not going to recognize it. You have to recognize, maybe I, you know, like you can say, I've gone too far. But for me, one of the things that I realize is not just the going too far, but simply um, being able to acknowledge this isn't working. This, this doesn't mm. shape this child, you know, and I, we talk a little bit in this, in the things about uh, realizing the differences in our ch children and realizing if I want to shape this child, I can't do it the same way I'm shaping that child. Wow. And so, you know, Jeremiah responds to me under the simplest of circumstances usually, but yet my other, you know, my daughter, Emma, um, it takes a lot more work. And I realize that I can't do the same things to shape them because I really, at mm. the end of the day, I want to get the same result, which is healthy, whole children who understand who they are in God's eyes, who understand that they're loved in this world and who end up being a great influence in the world around them. It can't be just about control or peace and quiet or, or whatever mm -hmm. are, you know, because man, in my emotions, you know, and you can listen to the podcast and I'll share lots of my own stupidity <laughs> in that. But uh, yeah, that's been a great one. And, and this is our fourth episode. We just talked about our marriage in the midst of this parenting thing. Um, and we kind of do it every other week. And so we're, we really just loved it. Honestly, I, I wonder at times I'm like, we get, we like to read the reviews we get and people have been fantastic about those, but it's like, you know, we kind of live in our own world, Jessica and I at times, and we're like, well, I hope everybody likes watching our world because this is how we <laughs> talk to each other, right? This is, you know, this is almost a little insight into uh, what it's like in our living room, you know, 
Um, and it's been fun doing it. It has been fun doing it, you know? So it's awesome, man. Yeah. It's so cool. And, uh, and I, I think that that's why, um, it's, it's at the point where it is now and why I really believe that it's going to continue to grow and be really, really successful because of the dynamic that you guys have with each other, because of your honesty, uh, because of the way that you invite people in and, and you make yourselves accessible. And that, and, and I think that it's so relatable because I'm sure listening to some of the stories that you guys share of some of like the horrors, <laughs> the horror stories that have happened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, listening to Jessica talk about some things where um, she would just uh, like listening to that story about, oh, uh, uh, what uh, about, I think it was, um, was it your daughter like going around like opening packages oh, yeah. on people's packages doorsteps on and people's then basically trip. just like running like her running away because because she's so ashamed and, and like i can't even begin to understand like begin to figure out how i can try to explain to these people like why this happened and it's just so incredible and, and i'm sure that you know there are so many people out there that can just relate and and that's the real stuff and so yeah. it's uh it's not just Ah, man, it's anyway, anyway, I, yeah. I, I can keep I can keep going. But but it's just um, I just think it's really cool what you guys are doing. And, I, and, and I've and learned so now, needed. I mean, I've never done a lot of podcast listening. I, I listen to basically one. Um, that's Craig Rochelle. You know, it's quick. It's informative. And Craig's just genius when it comes to leadership. So but I don't do a lot. But what I've I've really become interested in, like realizing it's it's neat, the influence you can have, you got to do it well. Um, but like simply, you know, we're getting these, we're getting messages and we're getting these reviews, people in California, someone in Romania, someone in Ireland. It's right. Like, you yeah. know, it's just neat to think, you know what, we can do something simple. And, and now you have this platform that's really much larger than you can even imagine. And it can reach people. And obviously I believe there's a leading in the Holy spirit of that too. You know, it's just reaching people that are, that are needing to hear it in the right moments at the right time. Um, and it's really, it really is kind of cool. Actually, if you tape, type in uh, autism and faith, autism and Christianity, we're the first one that comes up, comes up because there's like, there's nothing else, you know? Wow. Um, wow. You can, if you type in autism and parenting, we're probably like, you know, the eighth or ninth or 10th, um, you know, just depending. I think it, it seems to fluctuate. I don't know if it's based on views or if it's based on reviews. Um, or how it works, but it fluctuates a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, autism parenting, we're pretty close up there. You'll see us on awesome. the top if you end up searching it. That's awesome. I, uh, it's interesting that you said that about, about Romania. Like I, I very, very rarely look at my analytics. Um, cause I, I'm just doing right. my thing and I don't really, I mean, I care, I want it to grow. I want it to get bigger, but, but I'm just sort of in the beginning stages still of this podcast. So I'm yeah. just kind of doing my thing and, and not really focusing too much on, on the numbers, but I, um, but I, I just noticed, I think it was this past week. I, I looked at just some of the analytical stuff that they keep track of. I didn't even know they kept track of this stuff, but I found out that like the number two country that, that this podcast is listened to in is Germany. And I was like, what? <laughs> so of course, of course, America is, is, is number one, but then, um, there was a pretty, and it was a fairly, I don't remember. I honestly don't remember what it was, but it was a fairly decent percentage of like views from 
Germany. And I was like, do I even know? Like, I know a couple people. I, I literally know one family, I think, in Germany. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know where uh, where that's all coming from. But it's interesting. And just to see like the list, like, oh, people like watch this in in, in England and people yeah. saw it in like, you know, Bangladesh. And it's just like, that's pretty cool. It's a, it's just amazing the 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 reach that's available uh because of how you know like you can be on the other side of the planet um and impacting lives of people that you don't even know who they are i don't know how all that happens but i'm grateful for it and um and it's just uh it's really cool and that's where i think that people tend to downplay their own possibility of influence and, you know, I think when the church, you know, I'll get back to that just for a quick second. I know we might need to end soon. But for me, when the church realizes that it can change the world and, you know, beyond a Sunday service, I mean, I, I love Sunday services, but beyond that Sunday service, when people just decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell my story. And then you have to also not have some expectation of what is going to come of that, because at the end of the day, you know, people ask us, well, what's your hopes? I'm like, to help people. However that ends up, that's the, that's the measurement of our success. I, yeah. You know, it's not measured. This, God's kingdom doesn't measure success the same way that we measure success. And sure, yeah, we want to have earthly success. But at the end of the day, I just want to do what I feel God's calling us to do and help the people around us and right. do it in any way that we think we can. And uh, you find new ways like a podcast or a or an adoption run. And, you know, people, I, 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 like, I hear what you're saying, even about Jess and I, and, and, you know, I think, I guess I think we're pretty cool people, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I, I'm like, we just decided to do something. Right. Um, and I would just challenge you, even if it was some of the last things I say on this, this conversation with you, Duke is like to anybody listening out there, just try something. Try something out of the ordinary. Do something different. Impact someone's life in some way uh, until you find what works. And then stick with those things. Do those things. I think that a lot of people, maybe out of fear of rejection or insecurity of mm. failure and those kinds of things, we just don't try a lot. I'm, I'm right. like, you ask me, I'm telling you all the great successful things that Jessica and I have done. I can tell you tons of things that have just not worked out. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, remember when we tried that and spent all that money and that didn't work in any way? Because we just try. We want to see what God can do with our lives, and we we do it, you know? So, And we're just normal, common people believing that the Holy Spirit can do great things with us. It's so good, man. And, uh, yeah, I think, it, is it uh, John Maxwell has that book, Failing Forward? Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's just such an important concept, whether we're talking about business, ministry, family, relationships, raising kids, you know, yep. all these different things. And uh, and yeah, I, I think that what what the world like the, the stuff that we tend to present to the world is the, the good stuff, you know, sort of like our highlight reel, the stuff that looks good yep. and and stuff like that. That's what we tend to present to people, but they tend not to see the uh the struggle they tend not to see the tears they tend not to see all the failures and the mishaps that it took to kind of get to to that place of mm -hmm. um you know I, I i guess to use the word the word success you know what i mean but to get to that place where there's something that's actually working but again that's something that i really appreciate about about you two um specifically is 
the way that uh, that you're honest about about the the struggles that you have had and the struggles that you do have, because mm-hmm. you're not even coming at it. You know, it, it's easy too to sort of paint a picture of, well, we used to struggle like this, but then we learned and now we're doing great. And it's like you don't even do that. Um, you guys will talk about struggles that you're still having and disagreements yeah. and, and things like that. And, and I just think it's like really refreshing. I think that it's really relatable. And I think that it lends to trust. You know, I think that we can have this wrong concept of um, like, oh, well, people aren't going to trust me if they see that I'm broken or if they see that I'm falling yeah. apart or if they see that I've got these challenges, I've got to put on some kind of a show, some kind of a front. Um, but people tend to be able to, if they spend enough time around you, they'll, they have a tendency to be able to begin to see through those things. And then it causes trust to actually break down because what people are actually more interested in is something real and authentic. And if you can put that on display for somebody and, uh, you know, it doesn't change who you are. The fact that you have struggles, the fact that you have challenges and issues, it doesn't change who you are and what's important to you. And it doesn't change the calling on your life it, and it doesn't change. I think that it can actually impact the or enhance, excuse me, enhance the impact yeah. uh, that you can that you can have on the people in your life. Again, whether we're talking about ministry or business or just yeah. living life and people relating to you. I think that that's uh, that that's really cool. Yeah, I think that we I think, well, first off, I think the world is desperate for authenticity. That's right. Um, especially in a world of social media where we are all just judging one another based on a profile pic and, you know, a screenshot and whatever else. At the end of the day, we are all desperate for authenticity without the requirement of looking a certain way. And I think that we can lead in that as the church. We haven't always led in that, but I think we can lead in that as the church and as people. And, uh, you know, I, I think of Paul's words, some of his last letters, he gets more and more real with people, right? And he says, mm. you know, I boast in my weaknesses because then God's made strong. And I think there's a, a realness to that, that when we are okay with saying, listen, I might be weak in this area, but I, it's not weakness without hope. It's weakness with the fact that, you know, I've got, I've got God in my life. I have Christ in my life and, and uh, he's going to overcome this. And maybe I don't see the end of that tunnel yet, but man, I'm going to believe. And so that's where, you know, we hope to live our lives, uh, not in some perfect place or perfect state, but simply hope filled, joy filled and helping lead people to those places as well. So. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Well, hey, Greg, if you would uh, just point the, some people to the podcast, where can they go yeah. to uh, to find the podcast? Yeah, so and, you can find yeah. our podcast on Apple Podcast, Amazon, uh, Spotify. Um, you can usually it's posted on Jessica's website. I would just encourage you to check out Jessica's website. It's jessicahurlbutt.com. And if you never heard the last name Hurlbutt, that's okay. Most of the world has not. It's kind of an English-German thing, H-U-R-L-B-U-T, Jessica, H-U-R-L-B-U-T.com. And um, you can find the podcast there as well, links to it. Um, But if you just search Full Spectrum Parent, honestly, in Google right now, anywhere, if you're listening, you can find it almost immediately. Um, And the the easiest way to leave a review is always in Apple uh, Podcasts. It seems like the other ones are all weird and kind of clunky. Yeah, Um, isn't that annoying? Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's annoying to me. 
I, uh, <laughs> I'm always like, Hey, leave a review. And they're like, well, I don't have a iPhone or an iPad. It's like, all right, well, I'm like, yeah, we'll get in <laughs> board with the rest of the world, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a, an Apple fan for sure. But, uh, yeah, so you can find it there. I'm actually not, but <laughs> so I'm actually part of the problem is, is what I'm problem. saying. Greg, okay. but... You're just the holdouts. You just don't want to admit how good <sighs> Apple's done. I love this galaxy note so much. <laughs> Um, anyway, but yeah. yeah, so Jessica Hurlbut.com, uh, that's up on the screen for anybody watching this, uh, this interview live. Uh, I did see a couple questions come in. So I just want to reiterate the name of the podcast is the full spectrum parent podcast. Uh, it's available on all the major podcast platforms, right? You can find it on Spotify, obviously Apple, as you mentioned. Um, and, uh, again, you can go to Jessica Hurlbut.com and, uh, find some other links and resources there as well as the uh as the podcast and uh video version on youtube uh we're, that's we're, right yeah we're just developing her youtube thing i mean there's literally only the four videos on there right now mm -hmm. but uh you can try to look up jessica hurlbut or full spectrum parent um podcast on there too so, yeah. very cool so your your podcast episodes come out every other wednesday every other thursday Thursday. So, well, I mean, it's it's like 12 a.m. We do it the day before, and we post it at 12 a.m. Thursday. So, yeah, every other week. Uh, I think last week we posted one. Yes, we posted one last Thursday, so the next one will be um, a week from this Thursday. Uh, yeah, right now it's just kind of that biweekly setup. Cool. Well, Greg, I uh, definitely would love to have you back on uh, in the future because we didn't get a chance to get into any of the the church stuff, the church planting, and I'd love to yeah. uh, you know kind of hear about that whole aspect of of your world as well. So um, maybe if you're down for it, we can set something up and get you to to come back and we can talk about that. But um, yeah, anybody talk about who's that all day long. Yeah. Um, just let's just share just in case if anyone's interested in maybe um, I, I'm sure do you have like on your church website, maybe some some sermons and teachings and things like that. If yep. anyone's interested in, in hearing some uh, some of that. Yep. So the name of our church is New Testament Church of Messina, and you can find that on Facebook, New Testament Church Messina. You might find a few other ones in northern New York, New Testament Church Plattsburgh, Plattsburgh, Augensburg. Those are all our churches that we've planted. Um, but yeah, I am the pastor at New Testament Church in Messina, and also I'm starting a church right now in Augensburg, so you'll see that one. But uh, yeah, and ntcmessina.com is our website, and you, that's just a typical website. You'll see what we are about, and uh, all our, I think actually there's a podcast form on there from our sermons, and uh, and then the video footage is always there too, so. Awesome. Well, Greg, thanks so much, and I just to kind of... Uh just as one final thing here i i really do appreciate what you were talking about with um when we started talking about the podcast and you were you were talking about how when you and jessica um earlier on where you were looking for something you were looking for some resources and there were definitely a lot of resources in terms of being able to talk to people and have conversations and commiserate but the hope aspect yeah. the hope factor was definitely missing and I um I love I, I I love that I love that that's what you're doing um uh, you know as far as your ministry as far as the adoption runs as far as like all these different things it's like there's this hopefulness that you guys are interested in sharing with the world because you know it's a big deal it's a big problem that there's half a million children in yeah. foster care in a system that's broken 
filled with amazing people that love these kids and that are working their butts off to try to get people, you know, placed in families and and making sure that they have a decent life and and all of that. But the system itself, you know, almost like yeah. battling against the system and that kind of thing. And then, you know, going back to some of the stories that that we were, uh, you know, alluding to, I would say, um, as far as, you know, how challenging it can be to, uh, you know, be involved in or be a parent of, of uh, children with special needs and things of that nature. But the fact that in the midst of all of it, um, the thing that you're trying to echo the loudest is that there's hope, that there's hope yeah. in Jesus, that you're not alone and uh, and that, uh, you know, it's so it's OK to, you know, I, I was I was thinking about this just yesterday because there's this statement that people make. It's OK not to be OK. Yeah, um, there's a statement that people make. And I agree. I, I agree with that 100 um, percent. But I do have a challenge with it when people use that as an excuse to stay where they are. And the fact is, like, it's okay to feel the way that you feel. So, like, whatever we're yeah. talking about, it's okay to be, you know, emotional about something. It's okay to feel broken. It's okay to be down. Like, it's okay to be where you are. Yeah. Um, and, like, as someone, especially not understanding the situation, like, I would never want to belittle that or, you know, God forbid, like, condemn somebody for feeling the way that they feel. But at the same time, it is okay not to be okay, but it's also okay not to stay there. You know, because yes. of the fact that Jesus did everything necessary to pull you out of that place yes. of whatever it is, desperation, despair, darkness, whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever the challenges are that are facing in your life, that hope factor is so key. Um, I think so many of the challenges that we're having in our world today, Greg, with like the arguing back and forth across the aisles and the us yeah. versus them mentalities, the tribalism, these things that we're having, I think that so much of it stems from a lack of hope. And when yeah. God's people stand up from this place of, of a message of hope, you know, there's just automatic influence and authority that follows that. Like when you go into a situation that seems hopeless, but you go into that situation with hope, yeah. Uh, there, there's just there's automatic um, authority that enters into that situation, into the circumstances with you. And so uh, just uh, as we're sort of wrapping up here, not to put you on the spot, but just uh, if you have any final thoughts on just um, just any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, first Peter 315. Right. I think it is. If I'm misquoting, someone can correct me later. But I'm pretty sure I'm right <laughs> on that. The idea of being, you know, Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And I think we almost take that as like this, oh, that's a cute little verse. But at the end of the day, if the world doesn't look at us as Christians and as the church and go, why do they have hope and I don't, then I'm not sure what we're doing. So I want people, even wow. in the mid, I, I think the pandemic and, uh, you know, the racism things and all the stuff that's been going on terrible but an incredible opportunity for the church to actually look different unfortunately i'd say that's right some of us aren't doing a great job in that you, yeah. um, i haven't loved all of christians christianity's response to this stuff but it should be a backdrop in which someone looks at my life and goes how come in the middle of this you have hope come and on. then i should have an answer right they should be asking us the question um, I think that I honestly think that's probably the greatest evangelistic tactic there is. Have so much hope that you make people wonder why, dude. Um, and come on, then someone's asking you, oh, and you're like, "Well, I'll tell that. you why." Because Jesus 
showed me a different way and I see a so different good. world. And I, I believe that there's a possibility out of this. And, and I think even right from the get go with, um, with COVID in March of 2020, we had to shut down for 15 weeks, you know, and I, and, and of course, you know, those first couple of weeks, you're just kind of reeling and we're trying to get our feet under us. And I came back to our staff and I said, I don't care what's happening. I don't care what we have to stop doing but we are going to present the world with some hope. We're going to try in the midst of this. And because, you know, I think, honestly, I feel like COVID's been a dang excuse for too many people for too long now, where we're just like, oh, sorry, can't do that, COVID. You know what? I'm sorry. We're going to try something. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that about everything, but when it comes to the church and to presenting hope to the world that's around us, we, we better be doing really well at that. Please try. <laughs> <laughs> that's my last words <laughs> <laughs> please try yeah come on get up and do something man i love that so much have so much hope yeah. that people wonder why um that's incredible that's incredible i love that i'm gonna steal that uh <laughs> i stole it too though. <laughs> from the bible no. <laughs> yeah it's so good uh well greg thank you so much man i really appreciate yeah. you thanks for your time and uh i've enjoyed this extended conversation getting to know you and getting to know you just hear a little bit more about your world and i'm so appreciative of the work that that you guys that you and jessica your family your church your church family are doing to make an impact on uh on well specifically in your area of upstate new york but also how you guys man we got it we got to get we got to get you back on and talk about your church plants and things like that because you guys are expanding and impacting other areas up there and uh, and, and also the stuff that you guys are doing for this um, adv- advocacy for adoption and foster care and how that's extending um, all over, not just in your yeah. region, but all over the place. And uh, again, just so appreciative of of you and of what you guys are doing. So thanks again, man. All right. Thanks, Duke. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it and that it blessed you in some way. If anything sparked within you and you're interested in uh, finding out more about uh, adoption or about foster care, you can visit the website was adoptuskids.org, right? Yes. Is there anywhere else that you would point somebody or is that the best place That's to kind of? That's the general one. If, if not that, go to your local DSS. Awesome. Dep- Department of Social Services. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, visit jessicahurlbutt.com to find links to the podcast and some other resources and things of that nature. Check out the podcast, the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I know that it'll be a blessing to you. And specifically, let me just say this um, real quick. Specifically, if you, because maybe you're listening to this and you're not uh, a parent of uh, special needs kids, maybe you don't have any special needs kids in your personal family or that you're personally connected to but i guarantee you you know at least somebody and probably several people that do Mm -hmm. so i just want to encourage you forget about real life talk right now i really want to encourage you to find uh go online go to spotify go to apple go to google whatever you want to do find this the full spectrum parent podcast and share it with somebody that you know in your life that um is raising children specifically with special needs and uh, please share it with them because I know that it will be a, a blessing to them to hear from this perspective and the wisdom. And again, to hear from people that are very just real and authentic and in the trenches with you. So please, please, please do that. I would really uh, personally appreciate that. 
So, but again, thank you guys so much for taking the time to check out this episode. Really, really appreciate it. Um, if you get around to it, don't do this until you do the other one, until you do the Full Spectrum Parent Podcast. If you get around to it, if this episode blessed you, if you consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review uh, for all of you Apple users, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Have an awesome day. And uh, oh, by the way, there will not be an episode of Real Life Talk on Thursday because it's Thanksgiving. And I know nobody's going to be available to listen to this on Thursday. So have an awesome Thanksgiving and uh, love y'all. And we'll see you next time.